Hello and welcome. We are Tools in the Shed, powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that has caught our eye this week. I'm James, and with me are Matt, who's yet again been getting his tradie on with a ute comparison. Yes. As well as our editor, Mel, who's got a, a bone to pick with a certain used supercar in our Blowing a Gasket segment. Big things have been happening. And we'll check in with the enigmatic man-child we all know as Elon in this week's Musquatch. So stay with us. But first, Matt. Yeah. You're back in the ute segment. I oh, know. It's as if you've never left. Tell us what's going on. Okay, so this week we decided to pitch a couple of utes against one another. Uh, you might remember when the Amarok launched way back in 2011, I think it was, it had only a two-litre bi-turbo four-cylinder diesel engine. Mm. And everyone else in the segment sort of uh-huh, pointed and laughed, you know, you've got a smaller one than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. pretty much the only other thing that came in two litres was milk and juice at that point. Exactly. Right. Um, that was the big, that was the jolly jape on the work site, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the only thing that comes in two litres, mate, juice <laughs> yeah. and milk. Jolly yeah, when you get an Amarok. Yeah. So, but now the Amarok, as we all know, has a three-litre V6 turbo diesel engine, which is the most powerful and the most talkiest diesel you can get in the segment at the yep. moment. With up to 200 kilowatts and 580 newton meters, which is a lot. That's a What's lot the of zero to 100 claim on it? It's pretty. It's like seven seconds or something, Jeez. seven point something seconds. So it's like not far behind what hot hatches were three mm. or four years ago. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. But we also decided to put in the new Ford Ranger Wild Track which has a bi-turbo engine. Yes. So it now comes as an option with a two-litre twin-turbo. Only a two-litre. Two-litre twin-turbo four-cylinder diesel engine. You can still get the 3.2. You can at less cost. Yep. But it makes less power and torque. Makes less power and torque. So the new two-litre comes with 157 kilowatts, 10 kilowatts more than the 3.2, and 500 newton metres, which is 30 newton metres more than the 3.2. And what's its relationship with the engine in the Ranger Raptor? Uh, Same. Same engine? Yeah. Okay. Same transmission? Yep, 10-speed automatic. All right, so basically you're looking at the same drivetrain without all your Raptor macho... Yeah, finery around and, the outside, and the okay. extra weight that the Raptor brings with it, with all that extra stuff. But also the the fact that the Raptor has been a bit criticised for that drivetrain because it doesn't feel like yeah. it's up to the task necessarily. Yeah, of its Ford Performance branding, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but also the Wild Track retains the three point five ton towing capacity and yes. the full payload. Yes, where the Raptor doesn't. Yes. Right. So, Utes for Utes. Purposes. And that's yeah. that's it's, part of the reason of that the Wild Track made the cut for this test is because it's the better fit and it's the one that people search for more generally. Exactly. This is this is the one that people buy. They're not necessarily going out to buy a Raptor. They might get to the showroom and go, that's cool, and then go, now I'll just get the Wild Track. Yep, so, so rather than all that Raptor pretty boy stuff, yep. we've gone hardcore yep. and replicated the worksite stuff. Yep. Both vehicles were sandbagging because we put <laughs> sandbags in the back of both of them. We did. All that kind of action. Yeah? Yes. So we loaded them up with 500 kilos as an indicative weight of what you might expect a typical tradie or even just a regular, um, not so much tradie, more of a weekend, Homer, weekend warrior. owner. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. A weekend warrior, someone who's going to the tip or whatever, yeah. or going to the landscape shop. Yep. Um, so... The test was the 500 kilos in the tray. We did the same loop that we did with our um, bigger comparison test where we had the uh, Ranger, the Hilux, and the X-Class. Um, and so that gave us a good replication of where each of them stand. Yep. The Amarok was better with the load. 
There's no doubt about that. It was better without the load as well in terms of ride comfort. Um, but the Ranger's steering is exceptional yeah. uh, because it's so light at low speeds. It makes it really easy to manoeuvre. It can also park itself with this new tech pack that they've included as standard. It's also wow. taking the game to the new level with the safety stuff that you get in the Ranger Wild Track. It's like high-speed AEB, radar cruise control, You've got pedestrian detection, forward collision warning, lane keeping assist, all this stuff that the Amarok doesn't get any of it. That, yeah. Any it's of it. So and the Amarok though, also yeah. still lacks rear airbags. Yes, no rear airbags, but it still carries a five-star ANCAP safety rating. But that's only for the four-cylinder versions. It doesn't apply to V6s if you read the fine print. So if you're wondering why we put these two head-to-head, there's a lot more to yeah. it that meets the eyes. Well, yeah. that's right. And the other reason being that we did a three-vehicle uh, Comparo yep. where the Ranger came out on top. Yep. Lots of feedback um, from our readers and viewers saying, mm, what about Amarok? Yep. So this is partially in response to that feedback, yeah? Yeah, it is. And, you know, we we want to give our readers what they want to see, and we wanted to do the test as well. It just it worked out really well. We got the, got the vehicles at the same time. We ran this test. Obviously, there was some things that we couldn't do, like towing, because the Amarok didn't come with a tow bar, mm. uh, where the Ranger Wildtrak comes with a tow bar as standard. Sure, but um, I've mentioned before, if you can't set up a towing fixture with a piece of 2 by 4 and some <laughs> duct tape and probably a coat hanger... Yeah. You can't call yourself Australian. All right, so, well, we didn't do that. You didn't do that. Um, in the okay. interest of... Not good enough. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Solved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, all right, so we came away from the test uh, thinking to ourselves, the Amarok is seventy one nine ninety before on-road costs. That's a lot of money. And it feels maybe a little bit posh compared to the Wild Track. It, it lacks so much stuff for that money where you can get the wild track with the bi-turbo engine at 63 grand or so. It's $8,000 cheaper right? Yeah. before on-road costs. And just to confirm, the six-cylinder engine in the Ford is not an option anymore. The, you, you can no. get that engine or you can... No, there's no six... It's a five-cylinder Oh, the sorry, five, big yep, part, two. the 3.2. 3.2 is, is still available? available. Okay. At a cheaper price. Gotcha. So if you don't want to go with the bi-turbo engine, you think things might go more wrong more readily, which potentially they could, yeah. then the 3.2 could be the better bet for you. I mean, the the new engine is quieter and more refined, and it has the 10-speed automatic rather than a 6-speed. And that 10-speed does do a fairly good job of harnessing the torque of that engine. Also, it's worth noting that this is the most torque we've seen from a 2-litre twin-turbo diesel in the ute segment because the Amarok only ever got to 420 or 450 newton metres. They never went to 500, but maybe there's something to do with a bit more of a German engineering focus on longevity. Yeah, right. Yes. So, but it was that ZF8 speed, which yeah, but it's a, a lot of torque out of Bentley Bentaygas and stuff. It does, it's yeah. A, it's a tremendous amount of pulling power, isn't it? Yeah. You know, now, that is just phenomenal. Yeah, well, it's... And the thing is, both of them, no matter you know whether it's the Amarok or the Ranger, they both feel pretty quick. When you put your foot down, you don't, yeah. you're not missing anything. And it is pretty, you know, as you know, Utes aren't performance cars, and no. they will be. But God, it's exciting that they're getting better and better and better. Yeah, and they're becoming the less truck-like and more mm. refined and more comfortable. Because it's still usable as Utes. Because yeah. it just, it all just screams competition, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, it's such a hotly contested yeah. part of the market and that. 
you know, all this new equipment that's yeah. gone into the Ford is just driven by competition. And Australians are driving a lot of it too because yeah. we love them more than anyone. Well, yeah. we private buyers of Utes. We're over nuts. the odds in terms of Amarok consumption in Australia compared to the rest of the world. We we fight pretty hard for our share of the Amarok, and that does help Volkswagen go back and argue a case for what we want in mm. Australia. Mm. It hasn't really heralded any rear benefit airbags. Here. Um, so rear airbags and safety stuff would be really advantageous for that vehicle, but we haven't got there yet. Yeah. Mm. Maybe the next generation, and the interesting thing about the next generation of these two utes is that they could be the same ute but with different bodies. So there's talk that Volkswagen and Ford will team up on this commercial vehicle strategy, yep. and that'll... I mean, good luck to anyone else in that segment because if they can get all the safety stuff and have good engines and have the dynamics and the comfort of a Volkswagen with the ability and the uh, the hardwareness of a Ford, geez, it's going to be a good year. Yeah, look out, Hilux. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a it'd be a real strong contender. Yeah, betcha. Um, so it sounds like we're holding the Comparo <laughs> during the podcast here, but, but what aren't we going to tell you today, Matt? We're not going to tell you the results, so mm, you'll have yeah. to wait for the written review. We've got the written come. review, we've got a video, it's yep. all going to be up in no time, so people should keep their eyes and ears open for that. Yep, the video was not shot professionally this time around, we did something fun with it, hopefully it works, hopefully you forgive us if it looks rubbish. In the spirit of all Always trying new things. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Spielberg was on leave that day. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, Luke, speaking of trying new things, here's a word from our sponsor. Life's a journey, and for over a century, Winton's been helping Australians enjoy the ride. Behind the wheel of a Winton, you're comfortably in control of the most efficient, enjoyable, and brilliantly engineered car in the world. In fact, from class-leading luxury and performance cars to light trucks, heavy haulers, and agricultural equipment – all supported by our no-haggle, lifetime warranty and industry-leading service, Winton covers all the bases. Winton, Australian with a world of difference. As always, that begs the question, you know, where is Frosty? Frosty Chops uh, from Winton Motor Company. He's a great friend of the show. Uh, Frosty's hoping to bring the 2019 World Taxidermy and Fish Carving Championships to Winton, Victoria. <laughs> what? Yeah. But you've heard it here first. Um, it's scheduled for Springfield, Missouri um, in April, but Frosty sees it as a perfect fit for Winton, uh, the Winton brand, and he's determined uh, to bring it here. If anyone can grease the palms oh, to look, make that happen, it's And, of Frosty. course, Frosty is a keen taxidermist. Uh, people seeing this on YouTube, there's an image <laughs> here. We've got an example of his work. His pet lion, Jeffrey, getting to grips with an unfortunate zebra. Um, oh. God, he loved that lion. You know, it, was, it was fantastic. But um, Jeffrey lives on in uh, Frosty's work. It's quite phenomenal. I feel for the zebra. Mm. Anyway, Mal, moving on. Right. It's time... To blow a gasket, and the thing that's got under your skin—well, it's not just—it's not my skin. It seems like everyone's skin. everyone's skin. Far away, except for maybe you, James. But we're about to talk about that. Far away. This week, we have finally seen the first sighting of the Ford Mustang supercar to enter the Supercars Championship in 2019. Uh, Supercars showed us our first sighting mm. uh, during the first homologation test at uh, Queensland Raceway. Still in, still in camo, still in camouflage. Now, it's raised a few eyebrows because previously when uh, they've stretched production models over the control supercar chassis, uh, they've still managed to look like the road car. You know, Mm. Falcon and Commodore have been stretched for years. Altima, uh, the E63s a few years ago, but also the Volvo S40 still look like a Volvo S40. 
This Mustang, from the angles they've given us, wearing camo, looks like it's been a bit distorted to fit over, you know, a four-door uh, origined control yeah. chassis. Yeah. Um, it has been, you know, likened to the proportions of an Aussie race car, which is the tiny little motorbike engine ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, and but now yeah. you've got, you've got some examples where the Mustang has been fettled for motor racing. Yep. Um, and the proportions are all great, even yeah. though the car is probably way broader, a little bit longer, yep. all that kind of stuff. Fill us in on that. And look, I have full respect for uh, the importance of parity with the supercars formula and the control chassis, etc., etc., etc. But uh, unfortunately. Two other particular current generation Mustang races have come before this and mm. look pretty awesome. Um, chiefly the, the GT4 Mustang, but also the Mark Racer, the endurance space frame chassis racer that yep. appeared earlier this year and ran in the Bathurst 12 hour. Looks fantastic. It does. And for, for viewers on YouTube, we've got an image of that car that you'll be seeing now, and Mal's absolutely right. Now, when I first saw this, this vehicle pop up online, I. Last weekend, I went on a humpback whale watching tour, and Here we my go. God, it was almost identical. There's this weird high roof and this massive tail, and it's it's almost like a humpback. It's I I said on uh, on Twitter, I tweeted at Scott McLaughlin, who was uh, singing the praises of this new. Mustang, and I said, "Yeah, but how good would it be if it looked like a Mustang?" Oh, did you get a response? I got lots of responses. Uh, Anything from Scott? With you? Uh, not nothing from Scott, but okay. I, I did get an angry email from Damien Smyatt for ah. <laughs> getting me in trouble. He well, said I'm banned from Mustang driving from I, all I, Mustangs in the future. I'm not really. I've got to say, I think he's a funny guy. On the upside, on the upside, <laughs> the know. fact is that it's arrived because mm. it's just kind of weird that. People are still we're still driving Falcons at the end of yeah, the last championship. It's and why it matters yeah. is that we are so excited about having a new body style. Uh, you, you know, the, you can no longer buy an Altima in showrooms. You can no longer buy a Falcon by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Mercedes, the AMG E sixty three's disappeared. The Volvo's disappeared. Yeah, uh, we've got the ZB Commodore. Jesus, every on the chance track. it could disappear too. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> but for me, it's like the first glimpse of. Supercars has been in a bit of a malaise, yeah, you know. Yeah. They've really been struggling to find their feet and yeah. what is this formula going to look like in future? Yep. The Mustang's arrival is the first physical sign yep. of change. And will hopefully pave the way for a Camaro to appear as yeah. well now that we've yeah. got Camaro in showrooms. But, yeah. yeah, we're really excited about it. Seems right, but, God, I hope it actually looks better than if it did make in those it look, photos. Make it look better. And so the, the first photos of centers have been disguised and also they seem to be taken intentionally, amateurishly, like to look like spy photos. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's an accidental disservice. Well, I suppose you'd also like to give the benefit of the doubt and say this is a first crack at it. You know, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't take as much as you'd think to make a, a body panel and a body kit. You know, so maybe this is version one. You never yeah. know whether it might improve over time. And also, sometimes we've seen camouflage bodywork include some stuff that doesn't actually exist on the production vehicle. So. And you can see in some of the photos where they've taped in elements of the front yeah. Um, yeah. bumper. So it is it is phase one of the homologation yeah, process. Yeah, yeah, you never where they know. they make sure that it matches the downforce, etc. But geez, we all hope that it looks a little bit better than that, right? But uh, I'll be surprised if it distorts the proportions ah, back well, in the direction of the production. Yeah. I hope so. I'm pleased it's here. I'm ex- I, I, for one, for what it's worth, um, I've liked Australian... You know, sedan car racing, mm. be it um, touring cars, right from back in the day. I've, I've been a big fan of it. But uh, supercars I found hard to bond with yeah. over the recent years because it was just so all over the place. 
the arrival of this car has got me looking twice, three times. Like, I, I really want to have a look and see it on the grid next year. What else I is, think it's an exciting what development. What else is coming? Is there, do we know of any other cars that are being added? Or uh, Look, the, everyone's always saying, you know, we're talking to manufacturers, we're talking to manufacturers, uh, but not in the immediate future. No. Right. So it'll be ZB Commodore, which again seems a little bit of a misalignment, but, mm. you know, it's there. And, uh, you know, the Walkinshaw team is keen to bring in the... Tend to go Camaro, and they've yeah. started, uh, you know, assessing it for yeah, okay. that purpose because they're no longer fantastic. the Holden factory team, yeah, uh, which is Triple Eight, yeah, and you know they're committed to the ZB for the time being, yeah. Um, we're not getting a V6 Turbo anymore. That's no. uh, yeah. interesting, but you know, Australian motorsport needs supercars to succeed. I think so, and we love yeah. Australian motorsport, and yeah. we want it. To, to It'll succeed. be interesting. It, I see it as a positive development, but yeah. Um, yeah, just if it could look a little better, that'd be nice. <laughs> so. We are, of course, in the garage. Yes. And just you know, behind us in the other part of the shed are the cars that we've been driving this week. And first up, taking a large piece of real estate within that garage, Mal, is the Ram 1500. You, yes. You've steered that yep. car. Yep, the 1500 Laramie. Fill us in on your impressions. So Matt drove the 1500 at its launch a couple yes. of months ago. This is the petrol... Uh, slightly less industrial version of the 2500 diesel that has been here for a few years, but converted locally by ASV to right-hand drive. Um, I drove it last night, and I've really put it through its paces. I wound up at the uh, the Star Casino uh, wow. to see a concert, but got Look, railroaded Mel, into the underground car park. Mel doesn't like to talk about his gambling habit. <laughs> and if, if you do have a problem I was there to see Dion Warwick, if you can... must know. Sorry? I was there to see Dion Warwick, if you must know. Yeah. A fact I'm proud of. Anyway, however, I got stuck in the underground car park in a Ram during a concert. Give it a go, people. Um, Actually stuck? No. Oh. So it's... it's Figuratively. A, it's, okay. The struggle was to try and fit it into a conventional car parking space or yeah, just look, to you navigate your way around the car park? You can't do it sort of without consideration, but it is possible. So to give you, give everyone an idea, it's about 5.8 metres long, mm. which is about half a metre longer than most of the utes in the segment. Yeah, and a lot longer than a Land Cruiser, mm. a lot longer than a Statesman. It's and about pre- ten, sorry. 10 times longer than a normal hatchback. Yeah, longer than a 7 <laughs> Series. It is, yeah, yeah, it definitely. is, easily. But also really wide. Yeah. Anyway, it is possible, but you've got to be uh, on your toes. Um, anyway, you oh. can live with it, you can park it. And if, look, yeah. it makes you feel pretty cool. Yeah. This one's black. Uh, yeah. Just a shame that it, I mean, I thought this when when I went to the launch, just a shame that we're getting the old version, not yeah. the brand new yeah. Ram yeah. 1500. Yeah. That will come eventually. Probably in 2021, maybe. Yeah. But but to clarify, Ram in the States is still offering this car. It's they're offering like a, both, It's, it's yeah. a two-stream line, isn't it? So yep. this is your entry point, and then the newer car becomes a more premium offering. And the reviews of that newer car have been exceptional. It's okay. been re- wow. really well received, and it's you know I've seen quite a few comparisons where it's come out on top yep. ahead of the F-Series and the Silverado. Wow. So. It is amazing. You know, sampling these things in person, how much work goes into these American Utes these days? Because they're the bread and butter of America. Yeah. You know, they've got everything you can think of, and this is a, at least a ten-year-old design. But yep. you know, the gear selectors on the dash, and it's it's quite useful. It's a lot better than it was in the Grand Cherokee from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say whether it's knowing that it's a ten-year-old design mm. or whether it actually is the case. But it looks old-fashioned. It does. It, it, it yeah. looks like yeah. an older vehicle. Yep. Yeah, I, I look at it and go, Mister Plough, every time. It's, <laughs> you know, that episode of The Simpsons is about fifteen years old. 
Mr. Plough. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Okay. And it is significantly more refined than the 2500, so more comfortable to live yeah. with. Um, it is, definitely. I'm not sure if I'd want to be fueling that V8, the big Hemi V8, which... would wow, uh, be traumatic, wouldn't it? Even just driving into the garage. I haven't measured it scientifically, but it feels a little ambitious for the real world. Yeah, 12.2 is not a not a achievable claim. Certainly not sitting in the star car park for 40 minutes idling. No. Well, I mean, yeah, it, you'd be intimidated just driving into the forecourt of a petrol station, wouldn't you? It'd be a traumatic, nerve-wracking mm. experience. Depends on your personality. A, I would it, some people <laughs> would, it, would it fit? And B, I'm going to have to fill this sucker up. I guess the argument, the argument is, though, if you're spending $100,000 plus on something like that, petrol price isn't that much yeah. of a worry to you. And Good bottom point. line, I'm so glad we have the option of buying this car okay. with a full warranty, you know, factory converted. Yeah. Uh, All right. Go Matt, variety in Australia. Yeah. Matt, a different part of the automotive spectrum altogether. Yep. You have been driving an Audi A4 of yes. a particular type. Yeah, it's the black edition because we haven't seen enough black editions of vehicles <laughs> over this year. Yeah, right. Um, I think it's about the 20th black edition. Commodore's got a black edition the, at the moment, I believe. Holden is big on the black edition. Obviously, Mercedes-AMG is big on your black edition. Yeah. Audi has the it black edition. It means something very different with AMG. Uh, it does, but it's an oft-used uh, phrase. What does it mean in this context? In this context, uh, you spend $2,500 more and you get $7,000 worth of equipment. Right, um, which so is always good. It makes a lot of sense. It's got lots of aesthetic appeal. It sits on 19-inch wheels instead of 18s. It's got lowered suspension. You get metallic paint included at no cost. Uh, there's other things inside, like it gets uh, sportier seats and a different fabric and some different trim elements and ambient lighting and that sort of stuff. Generally, feels and looks pretty special. Mm. Um, for the version I had, you can get it in two versions. There's the 2-litre quattro version which is more expensive which has more power and more torque from its two litre engine or the lower spec front wheel drive version which is the one I had uh, which does have some issues with it um, I didn't love the drivetrain right. I, I think that the quattro drivetrain is a lot more convincing Is the transmission different between the two? It's seven speed dual clutch In but, both? Yes Okay yeah. but calibrated Differently obviously to yeah, apportion right. the But the features the same. Yep. So if you got into one pretty or much. the other, it'd feel pretty much the same. Pretty much, yeah. And it is the base two litre, but yeah. But really, that base two litre's got a fair bit of poke these days. Yeah, yeah, 140 kilowatts and mm. 320 newton metres of torque. Which Gone is pretty... are the days of you know the base model mid-size premium European, you yep. know, like the 318 that had 85 kilowatts forever but, and was sluggish as hell. But there is a lower spec A4 below that, which right. is 110 kilowatts and 250 newton metres. And to be honest with you, that's where I'd be spending my money if yeah. I was getting an A4 because it's front-wheel drive, but it's not trying to be anything but that, yeah. where this one sort of feels like it is trying to be a little bit sportier than it is. The 110, is it still a 2-litre? I can't remember. No, 1.4. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, a, it's I mean, the A4 has been around nearly four years now, and it's such a quiet achiever. It's such a, mm. it's got some really nice elements to it, but so many people in that segment gravitate to the 3 Series or the C-Class yeah. mm -hmm. that it really just falls by the wayside. Yeah. And it's a little bit disappointing because you can get some really good stuff in there. I, I mean, an A4 Avant, the wagon version, I think is one of the prettiest... German cars. And they the age well. You know, yeah. there's deliberate restraint to their styling yep. that kind of may not look as wow when you first get to the showroom. <laughs> Sorry, everyone at home. But, 
but five years on, you're still going. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, still stylish. Yeah. Um, and the interior. All right, so there are some bits of the interior that really, really annoyed me. So it's got Apple CarPlay. Great, that's a thumbs up. But it's not a touchscreen, so you have to use a rotary dial. Oh, to, go to navigate your way around CarPlay. Yeah, Ooh. is it a touchscreen in regular MMI? No. Not at all. No. So they've gone. They've done the Mercedes. So yeah, it's a it's a regular screen, right. but with a rotary dial, I'm, which is really annoying. I wouldn't mind betting they've done that intentionally to stop you doing that, distracting. What and, just Matt? But you know what's? <laughs> they've gone. Matt's booked it. Right. Yeah, yeah. We know what he's like on those Set screens. It up this way. But you know what's more annoying than you know, or more distracting yeah. than touching a screen is playing with a rotary dial, sure. watching the screen to see where the cursor moves to, yeah. and then pressing the button. That's not great. Yeah. It's dumb. Not great for us. There's certainly no uh, 100% correct answer with that approach, I think. Definitely Uh, not. But there is intent behind it. But uh, it's frustrating when you're used to a touchscreen, though. I'll get that. Exactly. Now, James, you've been driving something pretty I've had a week of smugness because um, (laughs) I've been driving... You should feel how smug it is in this this, All this talk about engine stuff, I've been driving a car without an engine. Uh, It has a motor, and Uh, it's the uh, Renault Zoe, which is the... I've got a friend called Zoe. Compact little Renault, and it's... I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I've yeah. been enjoying the car thoroughly. It's built on the same platform as the Clio, and it's roughly the same proportions, just a little more compact. Uh, and it's the biggest electric car, biggest selling electric car in Europe. Um, it's just that there are a lot of incentives over there. Yeah. Here, it's roughly the, the version I've been driving, the Intense, which is the top out of two levels, is near enough to $50,000 for your on-road costs. So, and it's the size of uh, Mazda 2, but Mazda with three two. doors? That's right. So. Yeah. You've really got to be committed uh, to saving the planet if you want to buy this car. But what I would say is, in terms of electric cars, that's near the entry level. You know, yeah, yeah. you're paying another twenty k to get to a BMW i3. So if you want to go electric, this is sort of the the opening of the door yeah, into yeah. that whole category. Um, it's I've found it um, amazing just watching the graphics. You talk about being distracted. There's one graphic that looks like a little AAA battery um, in the central screen with circles pushing up, but when you're regenerating, there's regenerative braking, and when you're off the throttle, it's regenerating energy as well. And little circles, like something out of Fritz Lang's Metropolis, you know, it's just kind of up the, up the battery. I love watching that. Yeah. Um, and it has tiny... Speaking of watching the screen while you're trying. Because yeah. it's um, got such little uh, disc brakes, because the regen does so much of the braking, yeah. the rear are drums, but they're like something off... Uh, uh, between the wars, auto union race car. Oh, there, wow. There's finned aluminium wow. drums, really beautiful um, piece of engineering. There are a lot of little um, tricks like that. The designer who styled the car, the exterior of the car, his thumbprint is on the handle that you open the back door with, so is it's actually Lawrence? imprinted with his finger thumbprint. Wow. No, no, Nando. another person. Okay. No, his name escapes me at the minute. But just little Easter eggs like that through the car as well. Wow. That's great. And it's not fast, like an i3 is really, whoa, this is a fast car. But it's definitely quick enough yeah. um, in traffic. It accelerates beautifully. And with a single reduction gear uh, transmission, it's as smooth as it could possibly be. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. And they've probably deliberately paired it back to boost the range. Yeah. I'm all for that. You it's, don't need it's a light. bullet to get around Surrey Hill. You mm. can feel it's light. Unfortunately, when you you know kick the tyres and slam the door, when you do slam the door, you get a bit of... Like kind of that <laughs> reverberation thing. Yeah, you, it's like Roadrunner. You know it's not a, a, a massive, sort of uh, chunky kind of car, mm. but you just find yourself in traffic going, huh, I'm driving an electric car. This feels really good. Yeah, right. And when, when you're in front of someone on a push bike, for example, 
I often feel self-conscious because you know you're going to send some exhaust smoke their way. This car, nah, conscious is clear. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's really nice. Unlike the Ram. And we did, <laughs> I took a photo last night of them parked side by side. It's quite a moment in the car's got a garage. <laughs> yeah. We should probably yeah, work that true. on the thing too. Anyway, uh, we'll have a review uh, of that up along with uh, the other vehicles that we're driving, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But now it's time for Mask Watch. <laughs> Okay, so the big news overnight, uh, we're recording this on a Friday, but overnight, Telstra, as in Australia's telecommunications company Telstra, their CFO, uh, Chief Financial Officer, I believe uh, that acronym refers to, <laughs> uh, Robin Denholm, has been named as Telstra's new chairwoman. T- Tesla. 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 Not Telstra, Tesla. Yeah. So <laughs> la, just, la, 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 you la. just rearrange a few letters yeah. the same anyway, right? So she is now has been named as Tesla's new chairwoman. Right. So or she's already on the board and has only been at Telstra since October. So she's just taken on this job. Oh. And it's has really been... really interesting is she types out her email address, eh? Oh, it's about muscle so. memory. Yeah. So she's a bit of a Silicon Valley star, just digging into her background. She's yeah. worked at Toyota, so she's got automotive okay. experience as well. Um, so go Aussie and, mm. and kind of good luck, Yeah. Uh, really. I, I think it'll bring... Um, as an outsider, a bit of sensibleness, where the previous chairman was unpredictable, shall we say? Mm. A bit less Howard Hughes, a bit yeah. more modern business that wants to succeed. Who's Howard Hughes? So, who's oh, Howard Hughes? There's a, like, there's a whole other it. podcast. <laughs> and a movie and yeah. well, several movies, in fact. So uh, also, nine months after Elon's own Tesla Roadster, so Gen 2 Tesla Roadster, uh, blasted off from the Kennedy Space Center. Yeah, so it's in space, but it's not in, space. in showrooms. Uh, SpaceX has confirmed uh, it has now cruised beyond Mars. Wow. So Starman is out there at the wheel of this car beyond Mars. So that's more than 289 million kilometers away. And I say, pity the warranty is only 160,000 kilometers because yeah. that thing is Damn well straight. out of warranty now. Wow. Yeah. Damn and straight. It's on the way. Where's he charging it? According to SpaceX, <laughs> it's now on the way to the restaurant at the end of the universe. So that's the destination. <laughs> is that a sci-fi movie reference that yeah. I wouldn't get? Anyway, okay. Mel. Yeah. Sorry. Moving um, along. <laughs> I'll read that. Now, as always, as later. always, we'll check in on Bloomberg's Model 3 production tracker. This week, it's sitting at 4,710, mm-hmm. which is up a whole 49 units on last week. Uh, but it's the 11th week in a row where production is still under 5,000 units a week. And that was the critical kind of mass yeah, for that car. Oh, I am. What I will say is this seems like a more sustainable build up to a production number yeah. rather than this big burst just yeah. to get over a figure to satisfy investors and what have you. It seems Less like fake news. it's being fine-tuned. Um, and it is worth remembering, Elon has promised 6,000 a week by the end of this year. We're now into November, so it's got to go another 1,000 a week yeah. uh, to live up to that claim. So I look forward to a Christmas special. We will, we will keep watching with interest. But with that, I think we've reached the finish line. Thank you, Mel. Sadly. Thank you, James. And thank you, Matt. And thanks thank to you. our producer, Marsden. Brains aren't everything, but look, in his case, they're nothing. And thank <laughs> you for listening. But let's make it a two-way street. Whatever you like, whatever you've heard or you don't like, just maybe you have an alternate point of view. 
don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from Any you. Any fashion advice? We're all ears. Exactly. <laughs> Especially for Mel. Um, <laughs> search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube. And if you're an iTunes devotee, please rate and review us. Um, I hope you can join us next time. Until then, remember, project cars are great because clean fingernails, free weekends, intact knuckles and financial security are totally overrated. (laughs) See you next week.